All right, well, it's good to see you guys here today. If you have your Bibles, we are in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter five today. We're in a sermon series that we are calling Looking for Life. And I, I love that uh, imagery and that phrase because every single one of us here today, we're, we're looking for life. If you're watching from home or online, wherever you're at, every single one of us, we're looking for meaning, we're looking for significance. And so we're going to the book of Ecclesiastes because the author of this book, uh, his name was Solomon. Uh, he calls himself pastor, preacher Solomon. And he is essentially saying, look, I've tried it all. I had more money, I had more possessions, I had more wives and women in my life. I had everything every single one of us claim we desire and want more of today. And he said, I had my fill. And at the end of the day, it did not bring me happiness. It did not bring me meaning. And there was a longing within my heart that I knew there was something else out there. And essentially what he is saying is that life is meaningless apart from God. If God is not in your life, if he is not a significant part of who you are and, and uh, how you're connecting with him is, is just not there, life will feel meaningless. And, and no boyfriend, no girlfriend, no money, no raise, no job, nothing will bring you the happiness that you're looking for. And so I think it's a significant lesson that we read in Ecclesiastes. And today we are in chapter five. And so how many of you would be honest today and just admit by a show of hands that today has been a rough morning? You've had a rough morning uh, today. Uh, lots of hands going up. I don't know what it is, but it seems like Sunday morning uh, always is, is difficult. You know, we... Lionel Richie has the, the, the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning. Sunday morning's never easy, Lionel. I don't know why that was popular, but um, it's never easy. For some reason, if you have kids, they turn into demon-possessed monsters on Sunday morning. Especially when they're little, you're trying to clothe them, get them ready. They don't wanna wear anything that you pick out, right? You're fighting with them. They finally get the clothes on. You're about to walk out the door, and then they spill juice on their shirt. Now they've got a big red juice mark on their shirt. But by that time you fought so much, you're like, I don't even care. <laughs> and uh, you get in the car and if you've got multiple kids, they're constantly fighting back there, especially on the way to church. And he touched me and she's looking at me and all of this stuff is happening. And somebody throws a toy and now they get hit in the face. And now there's this big red mark on their face. You're talking about this afternoon, you know, your plans. And your wife is like, oh, honey, we're going to Aunt Best for dinner tonight. And you're like, What? I don't wanna to go to Aunt Bess for dinner. I get one day out of the week to relax and now I gotta go over to her house and why don't you love my family? And now you're fighting. <laughs> your wife's feelings are hurt. Your kids are messed up and crying and you know, it's just a terrible morning. Then you show up to church, you walk through the doors, you get welcome, welcome to Foothills Church and you know, you're angry, you're ticked off and immediately you shift and it's like, oh, hello, bless the Lord, good to see you. So fantastic. Meanwhile, your kid's got the mark on the face, red shirt, doesn't matter, right? So some of you today, you're here and it's a miracle, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's a miracle and a sign of God's grace in your life that, that you're actually here. But then you get here and then it's just like, ah, oh, it was worth it, right? It was worth it. The music starts, the presence of God's people, the, the spirit within you just, just wells up, man. And you get to sing, you get to begin to pray and connect and begin to slow your pace to hear from God, right? And uh, not to mention if you've got kids, they're next door and they're 
uh, God is just uh, filling their heart with, with love. We've got incredible adult leaders who are you know, uh, sharing the love of Christ with them and teaching them and, and sharing with them and uh, helping you lay a foundation of faith. And, and so it's like, man, it's, a, it's, a, it's difficult to get here, but we get here and uh, it's a blessing and we realize how powerful it is. And, and it's not just the, the result of one Sunday, it's, it's like multiple Sundays compounded that, that God's blessing and, and presence grows you and, and you feel that, right? And so it's worth it. And, and uh, at the same time, we do need to pause though and we need to ask ourselves the question when we get to a chapter like chapter five here, and we've got to say, are we really worshiping God when we're here? We go to all the effort, get the kids here, we're here, um, we're, we're in the room, we've, we've got the experience. But the question still remains, have you worshiped God as Jesus says in John 9? Uh, have you worshiped him in spirit and in truth? As Paul says in Romans 12, have you offered your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord? If you're watching online today, have you truly worshiped God today as you've connected uh, through the screen? And I think it's an important question that we all have to ask. It's, a, it's an important question that we wanna wrestle with uh, today. And as we're gonna see in chapter five, Solomon says there's a, a right way to approach God and worship and there is a wrong way to approach God and worship. Or he actually says an evil way to approach God. And so uh, I think today is a great reminder for those who say they love God but have a hard time paying attention to him and who have a hard time actually following through with what he tells them to do. So I don't know about you, but that's this guy right here. So this has been a, a, a great week uh, or two of, of study for me and I'm excited to share what God teaches in chapter five, verse one. Here we go. Solomon says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So, okay, here we go. Here's the difference. There's a sacrifice of praise and then there's the sacrifice of fools when you draw near to God in worship. For they do not know that uh, what they are doing is, is actually evil. So he says that you can draw near and if you bring the sacrifice of fools, what you do in the house of God is actually evil. Verse two, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. So it's not, don't be too hasty with what you say to God today in your prayer and your worship as you speak to him. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and, or busyness and a fool's voice with many words. So begin to unpack this today. He starts by saying, uh, to, to guard your steps when you go to the house of God. So the house of God teaches us that God has a home. God has a house. And specifically at this time, Solomon had built the temple of God. And so this was where God's presence actually physically lived. It was, it was specifically in a unique way in what was called the Holy of Holies. That was the, the innermost portion of the temple. The temple was built in the 10th century, later destroyed in 587, uh, kind of rebuilt, but then destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. Today, it is still um, uh, underground, ruined. Uh, archeologists are trying to dig up, trying to find the corner and the wall, part of the wall uh, still exists 
exist. I've been there. It's called the Wailing Wall. And so um, very elaborate, ornate building and structure that Solomon built, uh, filled with gold, jewels, just a uh, uh, beautiful architecture, the greatest uh, thing that has, had ever been built at that time. And the reason was to show off and display the glory of God. It needed to be immaculate and beautiful to represent the holiness of God, the, the, the grandeur of God. And uh, the reason we, was because the presence of God was there. And there wasn't a temple on every corner like you know we're used to having churches on every corner in the South. There was one temple. So if you wanted to worship God the right way, you had to go to that specific temple. And, and you couldn't just go and sing and, and talk to God. You had to use a priest as a mediator between you and God. And so the priest is the one that talked to God on your behalf. The priest was the one that made sacrifices on your behalf. This is how God commanded the, uh, the people of God to worship him uh, was through this system. We call it the old covenant. We, 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 we say it's the old Testament, but really it's the old covenant. And so in the new covenant, which is what we live under today, uh, we call it the gospel. And it teaches us that Jesus came on our behalf as our ultimate mediator. He was the ultimate mediation between man and God. And he gave himself as the perfect sacrifice. He's fulfilling the old covenant, covenant uh, fulfilling the Old Testament law. And today we no longer need a priest to forgive us of our sins. We don't need a priest to offer sacrifices for us. We don't need a priest to mediate between us and God. When we accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as a payment for our sin, we receive his forgiveness. We give our life to him, right? God forgives us. And then he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit that now lives within us. There's a moment in your life when that happens, by the way. You're not born a Christian. You're not born saved. You're not born into the family of God just because your parents go to church. This is a, a decision. It's an understanding that every single person goes through. It's a, a moment in time in your life that you cognitively with your brain, your head, your mind, and with your heart, you are saying, yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus. When this happens, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And so that the temple of God now begins to shift under the new covenant. And I'll remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter six, where Paul actually says, you, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So there's no longer a place that you have to go to worship God. This building is not holy. These walls are not holy. This building, this body by faith in Jesus is now the temple of God. And so in the New Testament, we're commanded to gather together publicly to worship God. Right? So that's part of why we're here today, why you're watching online today. We are gathering together publicly to worship God. And so we are not coming to a holy place. We are the holy place. And, 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 and this this tiny, you know, bodies filled with the spirit of God gathered together to worship God, to serve God, to build relationships together while we're here, to do ministry together while we're here, to sing, to pray, to listen to the word taught. This is our act of worship. Now we know that we can worship anywhere. You can worship at home, you can worship in your bedroom, any, anywhere because the spirit is with you, right? We don't have to go to a place. And yet the New Testament specifically says it is right and good and a habit 
of the believers to come together, as the book of Hebrews says, do not neglect the gathering of the people of God for public worship. And public worship is what Solomon is talking about here. So different under the new covenant, and yet still we gather to worship God with the same understanding of why we are here. Slight differences, same basic principles that he teaches. And so what are they? The first thing he says is to guard your steps when you go to worship. Guard your steps. So you've gathered, you've done the hard work of getting the kids ready and waking up and getting here. And yes, you're here. But the the command is to guard your steps before you actually get here. And he says in verse two, you might circle this. God is in heaven. You are on earth. Now, when we read that, it's like a good reminder, right? Because sometimes we forget that God is the one in heaven. I'm not in heaven. In other words, God's in control. God's got this thing figured out and he is in charge and he is leading, not me. And so this idea and concept helps me to kind of see what it means to actually guard my steps to worship. So I would say to guard your steps means to recognize the holiness of God. He is in heaven, high and lifted up, right? We are on earth. I was uh, writing with uh, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Lance, some, trying to create some worship music and came to this sentence and, 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 and we wrote down um, uh, uh, that simple phrase like, uh, I am not God, right? You are God and I am not was the specific phrase. And I was like, man, that's kind of simple. Is that something that we need to sing? And then a, you know, a week later, I'm reading this. God is in heaven, you are not. I'm like, well, I guess that's a, probably a good biblical command to remind yourself that you're not in control, you are not God. Stop acting like everybody needs to follow your plan and just shut up and listen to me because I've got this thing figured out and God, you should be doing this and changing this situation and you shouldn't have let this happen to me and you should have done this. And God says, slow down, you are not God. I am, I am in heaven. So we recognize the holiness of God, that he is it just, the holiness of God just simply means he is separated. He is separate from us. He is separated from sin. He is unique. He is right and good. And everything he does is right and good. Imagine the perfection of this God that we worship today. He has never sinned. He has never said or thought anything sinful or wrong. He is beautiful and perfect in every single way, worthy of all of our praise. So all glory to him. Uh, He is the magnificent one, higher, superior, not bound by time. He doesn't just see today. He is experiencing the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. He sees it all. He is not bound by space. And so he is not just here in my heart. He is in your heart. He is not just here in Knoxville. His presence is all over the world. He knows all. He sees all. He's in control of all. He is holy, high, lifted up, and rightly deserves our praise today. This is the holiness of God that we need to be reminded of. When Isaiah sees and experiences the presence of the Lord in this vision, he sees and, and, and describes it in Isaiah 6. And he, he talks about how there are these angelic beings around the throne of God that day and night cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And Isaiah said in that moment, he trembled in fear and recognized his sinfulness. And he said, woe is me, why? Because when you are in the presence of a holy and mighty God, you recognize that you thought you were a pretty good person, but you realize real quick that you are sinful and broken in the presence of a holy God. Because he is holy, he cannot allow sin to go unpunished. He can't just say, ah, don't, have, don't let it happen again, man. I know you didn't mean to, it was a rough day, just don't let it happen. No, he can't just say you're forgiven like a genie and wave the wand. No, he's got to punish sin because he hates sin. He hates sin because sin robs you of life. We're looking for life. Sin destroys your life. It destroys your relationships. It robs you of feeling the joy of of knowing God. It robs you of everything in life. So God hates sin. And yet, even in the midst of our sin, he sends his son Jesus to love us so much that he would die on the cross. Pay for our sin. What a good, holy, righteous God we serve. If you like to study more about this, R.C. Sproul has a whole series of books on the holiness of God that are just fantastic. And so we start off by guarding our steps into the gathered assembly of worship by recognizing the holiness of God. We don't just, we don't just slip into the room and not think about this. And so secondly, I think he teaches us that we need to be ready to hear when we come into this place. So guarding our steps means we're, we're, we're ready to hear the voice of God. Look again at verse one. He says, draw near to listen. Draw near to listen. So be ready to hear him. Worship is not just the portion of our experience on Sunday morning where we sing. It's part of it. It's not all of it. Right now is part of your worship to God as you listen for the voice of God, as you listen to the preaching of his word. But the hard part for us is that we don't listen very well as a culture. With things that are so quick and fast and noisy in our culture, our phones are sending us notifications, our mind is busy thinking about the Super Bowl and lunch and who's gonna win and obviously we all want Brady to lose, I get all that. Right, so, so we're thinking and constantly going and busy and, and uh, we're exhausted and it's hard for us to listen to the voice of God. I'll be honest, it's hard enough to remember what my wife is telling me to do or asking me to do, let alone what God is. Any husbands in the room say, I'm with you on that one. And so with this constant noise in our life, I wonder if we're actually taking time to listen to God. Are we listening for his voice? Are we quick to pick up the phone, quick to you know, post the, the social media, whatever post it is? And I'm concerned that even church members, as we struggle with slowing down enough to actually hear God speak, that we're also kind of stepping into this moment. And, and really, we may not say this out loud, but what we're really wanting is this, the, the, the pastor to teach us something we don't know or to help us feel or experience something that'll make us feel good about ourselves. As if that's the point. And I, I really don't have really anything valuable to tell you today outside of what God has given us in in his word. So I don't know if there's anything new that you need to hear or if it's a reminder of what you already knew or if it's God just saying you need to do what I've already told you to do a million times. I think that an appropriate 
moment of listening to a sermon or listening in this moment, in this experience is teach me something new, show me something new, give me this feeling or that feeling because it is not about learning something new. It is not about feeling or experiencing something. It's actually connecting to a holy God and it's you giving this holy and righteous God. It's me giving him the worship that is due to his name. So he says, if you wanna do that, be ready to listen. Be ready to listen when you walk in here. If you wanna experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, if we wanna actually guard our steps, we've gotta be prepared to listen. So to really hear him, there is a, a, a preparation that needs to take place. Now, if you're an athlete, if you've ever played sports, you know, uh, for instance, if you're gonna play a basketball game, you gotta warm up, you gotta prepare. You practice during the week, you warm up pre-game, you've watched film, the coach has talked about who you're gonna play, um, and then you go out onto the court prepared and ready to play. What if you were to have a game at you know, 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning and you just woke up at 8.45, you jumped in your car, you sped to the gym, you know, you're, you're lacing your shoes up as you run into the gym and then the whistle blows and the game starts. I can promise you you're not ready and you're getting, probably getting ready to get your tail waxed because you're not ready to play. So there's a physical part. Imagine playing football without warming up, how many injuries you would have. You're gonna get hurt if you haven't prepared your body to actually physically play the game. But then there's also a mental side to sports, right? Huge mental side. I, I, I would say 75 to almost 90% of, of sports is so much mental in our heads. And are we prepared to play the game? So have we thought about our role? Have we thought about you know, what the coach is asking us to do? Have we thought about you know, wh where I'm gonna move and what I'm gonna do in these various situations? Have I been thinking about it? Because if I haven't, you could be physically prepared, step out onto the court and still get beat really easily because your head wasn't in it. You were worried about a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You were worried about, you know, where you're gonna eat. You were worried about, you know, you know whatever political situation. You're, you're worried about other things. Your head's not in it, right? We've all, if you, if you played sports, you've, you've had bad games where you're mentally not there. Now think about it when it comes to worshiping God. Your kids were fussing, you're arguing, you haven't read the word of God all week, you haven't really prayed all week, you bust through the doors at Foothills Church about 10 minutes late. By the time you get in here, you've missed one or two songs, so you, hear, you get the last song, right? And then boom, I'm here. And it takes you about 20 minutes for you to shake the cobwebs off of a really crappy week. The arguments that you've had, the people that you've hurt, and by the time you're getting into it, I'm winding down and it's over and you go back to the grind. That's not a good recipe for connecting to God. So I gotta get up earlier. I gotta be prepared. I gotta be ready. And I gotta get my mind ready. I gotta get my heart ready. Why? Because we believe God is going to speak. This is not an ordinary Sunday. This is not an ordinary day of where we just go to bed at, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, college folks, single folks, wake up early and roll into church half asleep. Like that's not prepared to talk and to speak to and to hear from this holy, righteous God. Guarding our steps means that I will 
go to bed at a decent time. It means that I'm gonna be in the word during the week. It means I will talk to him and, and, and have a prayer life during the week. That helps me get ready for this moment. It means that I'm, I'm saying that we're going to actually commit to actually be here. And it's not a Sunday morning decision or it's not a Saturday night decision. It's an already made decision that it becomes a lifestyle. Your kids aren't saying, are we going to Foothills tomorrow? Are we going? They're not waking up asking why, because this is what we do. This is our commitment. And when we do that, the, the, the result and the blessings that follow, obviously we hear more from God. We connect more to God. Our kids connect more to God. But if you don't expect God to speak to you, if you don't expect God to, to teach you anything or show you anything, then it could be different. So to be ready, you gotta expect God to speak. You walk into this place expecting God to speak. So it's anticipation. If you were to go to a UT football, well, bad example. If you were to go to a UT basketball game, you expect them to win. They're really good. They've got some great uh, players right now. So you, there's anticipation. It's gonna be a good game. They beat Kentucky last night. What a great win. And so there's expectation building when you walk into the gym. And so when we walk into worship, we know God is gonna do something. He's going to speak. It's not an ordinary Sunday. And when God speaks, how do you receive it? Are you ready to receive it? If God told you to do something today, here's what happens. Sometimes we hear something, we experience it. We're like, oh, okay, I like that. It's good. I really do need to work on that. And it made me feel good. Yes, I need that. But if you don't write it down and you don't talk about it throughout the week, you'll forget it by dinner. You'll forget it by dinner. So when God speaks in the Bible, he usually tells people to do two things. Uh, one of two things. Speaks to Moses he says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh something. So God speaks so that you would go tell people what he said. God later speaks to Moses and says, okay, here's what I want you to write down. So Jeremiah, here's what I got to say. You go share it with the people. John on the island of Patmos, here's the revelation I wanna to give to you, John. Write this down. So if, if, if God is speaking to you, there's two things that you better make sure you're doing one or the other or both. And that is, Write it down, write it down. Be ready to take notes. If a holy God speaks to you, I think it's worth writing down. I don't know about you, but I can't remember when I'm at the store what I'm there for, you know, unless I write it down, walking around. I, knew I'm, I know I need something, what do we need? You come back and it's like, oh, I forgot the onion, uh, right? We gotta write it down. So take notes, write it down. And then second thing is tell the people what he's telling you. Talk about what he's telling you. So this is why small groups are beautiful because it gives you a platform to actually talk about what God is doing and teaching and you get to share what God is doing in your life. And so we have this expectation of God speaking. We expect him to speak. And while we're listening to God and we're listening for his voice as we open up his word, as, 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 as the message is given, as the music is played as well in our prayer time, like we are also applying it to our own heart. We get in a habit sometimes of listening to the message and then giving the Holy Spirit elbow to the person beside us that we think and hope really heard that. Ooh, that was good. I hope my husband heard that. Right? You ever done the Holy Spirit elbow? <clears throat> Instead of that, 
we need to do this, right? We apply it to our own heart, continually asking, God, how can I apply this? What, is, what does that teach me? Where, where am I um, not living up to my potential and not giving you glory in, in, in a specific area of my life? And so we deal with our own sin and we have to ask God to help us with that. God, help me to deal with my own sin. I love to talk about specks in other people's eyes and ignore the plank in mine. That's what Twitter was made for, right? Oh, I hate Twitter. I hate Twitter. Gosh, that's all it is. That's all it is is, 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 is pointing at specks in other people's eyes and ignoring and uh, it's terrible. Anyway, we expect God to speak, but then also as we're in, in, in worship, we, we realize we've gotta be genuine. Do we mean what we say? When I sing the song, do I, do I mean what I'm saying? When I pray, do I mean what I'm saying? We wanna be genuine and authentic. We don't wanna come in here with half-baked uh, uh, you know, allegiance to God. He says in verse one, look again, instead of offering a sacrifice of praise, you might be offering a sacrifice of fool, fools. And he says, that's evil. Don't come in here half-heartedly. Don't, don't sing songs that you don't mean. So if, if, if the words are there and you're not saying I surrender, when I'm singing I surrender all and I'm not surrendering all, I better pause and I better say, God, help me to surrender all. So then it becomes a prayer, right? And so when I worship, it's, um, it's, it's part of that singing, right? And so, so I'm gonna voice the words, but I'm also thinking about the words. I don't just go along because it sounds good or whatever. I'm thinking about the words. And then when I get to the moment where I'm struggling with actually this phrase of really giving that to God, I don't wanna lie to God, right? I surrender all, but I'm having sex with my boyfriend. I'm not gonna surrender that relationship to you, Right? Oh, whoa, that's not a good, no, I don't want that worship song. So it's God, I, um, I repent, I seek your forgiveness. I want to surrender all to you, God. So then it becomes a conversation. And then it comes to the part of the music where it's like no words and it's just instrumental. And like, we don't know oftentimes what to do with that. We're like, what should I do? Should I dance or should I, what, what am I doing? I, I like to pray in that moment. I'm thinking about what I've just said. Mind, heart, body is, is prepared. So maybe, maybe hands lifted up, maybe kneeling down at my chair, maybe praying with somebody in the aisle, right? Maybe in that moment, I'm just talking to God in, in prayer. This is, this is just ways of how we are genuine in our worship and, and how we, we don't wanna just come and, 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 and pay tribute, we're here and stare at the musicians, drink our coffee like they're performing some show for us. No, we're, we're trying to lead in a connection to a holy God. So if, if, if I'm not engaged in what's happening, then I'm, I'm missing the opportunity. I'm bringing a sacrifice of fools, Solomon says. When we gather here, we walk into this place with reverence because, not, not because these walls are holy, but because we're worshiping a holy God, gathering with a holy people to sing to a holy God from his holy word. And so yes, reverence and all, but at the same time, not stiff and boring. It's some are really kind of boring in church, right? We, we, <laughs> it should be fun, right? And, and, and when we sing and when there's music and when there's preaching, smile sometimes. 
I feel like I'm teaching the statues sometimes. It's like, are you guys alive? Are you awake? It's like, it's okay to smile. It's okay to engage. It's okay like to, to be present in this moment and, and um, connect to the God who is speaking to us. And, and that doesn't mean like to be reverent, we have to wear a certain style of clothes or, you know, we get, we get that quite a bit. And it's like, if you wanna wear, I just gotta clear some things up. Like if you wanna wear a hat, wear a hat. I don't care, nobody cares, nobody cares. Our culture says taking off your hat when you pray is a good thing. Not Jesus, not the Bible. Our culture says take your hat off when the national anthem is played. That's great, who cares? God doesn't say do that. In fact, God told Jewish people in the Old Testament to wear a covering. So they wear a hat all the time. And they do that to remind themselves that God is above them. So if you wanna wear a hat, wear a hat. Hey, nobody cares. I'll, I don't care what people wear as long as you're just covering up parts. That's all that matters. <laughs> Let's do that for us. Um, reverence doesn't have anything to do with clothes or style. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with um, any, anything physically, right? It has everything to do with your heart. And has everything to do with, are we connecting to a holy God? And so maybe physically it, it is raising hands. Maybe it physically is bowing in prayer. Maybe it physically is singing. Maybe it is obviously uh, all of these things and more and listening. So, so these are the things that he says, I think we guard our heart, be genuine, be authentic and transparent. So look at verse two, he says, so be ready to listen. And then he says, be careful when you speak. So he's talking about, corporate worship, and he says, be careful what you say. Verse two, don't be rash with your words. Don't let your heart uh, say any hasty or utter any hasty words before God. So don't make flippant uh, commitments. God, I messed up again and I just need you again, amen. I'm not gonna do it again. Don't make deals or try to make deals with God. God, if you give me this woman, then I pray that I promise you I'm gonna be in church every week and I'm gonna treat her right. Be careful with that flippant, you know, commitments and, and uh, those flippant, rash words. Do we really mean what we say? Again, this comes along the idea of being genuine. Verse three, look at it. If you don't slow down to listen, your life is too busy, essentially. He says two things, if you don't slow down, will happen. Number one, you'll have a fool's voice. In other words, you'll be saying some like dumb things, like not, not very spiritually wise things because you're not hearing from God, therefore you're, what you say is not wise. And then he says, you'll have a lot of dreams. And so it's kind of hard to interpret things like this. I, I think we could maybe interpret this to mean that uh, if you're too busy and, and that busyness leads to anxiety and you know, anxiousness, you have a lot of dreams, you're restless and you don't sleep well. So your mind is constantly running. And, and so I think that makes sense to be too busy to listen, these things will happen. And so to guard our steps, we're recognizing the holiness of God and then we are ready to hear, right? We are approaching this moment mentally and physically ready and expecting God to speak. And then he says in the next few verses as we kind of land the plane here, he says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Oh, I didn't mean to make that commitment to my wife on that altar, God, it was just a mistake. I didn't mean it like that. No, he says, you can't blame the messenger that, that when you made that vow. 
Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? So break the vow, God is angry, and then destroys the work of your hands. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. Remember vanity, meaninglessness, chasing after the wind, trying to catch smoke. It's meaningless when you have so many dreams and you talk way too much, it's just all gonna be vanity. You're trying to catch something that can't be cut, but God is the one, he says, that you must fear. He lands the plane with God is the one that you must fear, right? All right, so what is this whole passage saying? If you're taking notes, I would say, follow through with your commitments. You make a vow, fulfill the vow. Make a vow to a spouse that you're gonna be with him or her forever before God, fulfill it. Pay what you owe. Make a vow to become a partner at Foothills Church before God to the people of Foothills Church, fulfill the vow that you made, right? We ask people when they become a partner to do four things, right? Attend, be in a small group, serve and give. It's kind of what Jesus talks about his whole life. <laughs> it's like, that's what we should be doing. Right? So it's not like over and above. It's just like what it means to be a follower of Jesus. These are things that help you grow and find joy. And as partners, we're saying when we join, we are becoming a part of what this church is doing. We don't say you are becoming a member of a country club so that you have access to the, the white towels in the steam room. We're saying you are becoming a part of what God is doing here. So we make that vow together and I think it's important for us to take a minute to remember that vow to attend again that is a commitment you make a lifestyle choice that you say we are people that go to church every week please don't ask me kids don't ever ask me my kids never ask me by the way they never ask me they know what I'm gonna say so we're we're there we engage in a small group in a small group this is where shepherding happens this is where uh, discipleship happens this is where relationships are built. This is how you care for somebody else. You might say, oh, I don't need this group. I don't need anybody taking care of me. Well, there's a lot of people that need to be taken care of. And so get in a group to care for other people. Don't be selfish about it. Right? You're also there because one day you will need help because you're not God. You live on earth. And there's gonna be a day when you get body slammed and you're gonna look around and you're gonna wonder, why does anybody care? And you're gonna realize that you never built the relationships that really mattered where Jesus was in the center of them so that in that moment, people are there for you and you get to be there for them. We say serve. So my goodness, if all the partners of FC served, we wouldn't have any needs. We wouldn't have any needs. We'd, we'd have multiple people serving in all kinds of areas. We'd have to get really creative and come up with new ways to serve. But the reality is we need people in production. We need people in, in you know, greeting and we, we need people in uh, children's ministry, kids ministry. We, we need more people to serve. And so if you're a partner and you're not fulfilling the vow that you made, serve. We say give, why? Well, we see all throughout the Bible, it tells us to be generous. And so we give and we're, we're percentage givers and we teach this. And, and we, we know this is not something that God needs or I need or this church needs. We, we give because it's our sacrifice to, to God. And, and, and when we do that, when we're generous, he blesses us 
and ministry happens. Like this doesn't happen for free. It, it does require fuel, resources. And so we give and as a partner, you've committed to give. And so if you're not a partner, you're an attender, you're just watching uh, online today. This is not for you. This is a reminder to our partners to fulfill the vows and commitments that you simply made. And so to help in that every year, we like to, we like to give people what we call a 90 day challenge. And the 90 day challenge specifically as it relates to giving is, is simply, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to give for 90 days. And at the end of that 90 days, if, if you feel like God isn't blessing, if you feel like you can't pay your bills or something emergency happened, we'll give it back to you. We'll give every dollar back. We don't care. I don't need it. Nobody here needs it. This is between you and God. And so you make that commitment. You're gonna give this percentage for 90 days at the end of that, reevaluate, no shame, whatever you want back, give it to you. In fact, if you need more, we'll help you. But the reality is these are the things that God has asked us to do as a church. These are the ways that we know who we can count on. These are the ways that we know who is a part of Foothills Church. This is the way that our pastors know who we are accountable to serve and minister to. Biblically, it's the partners who we are accountable to serve and shepherd. And so maybe it's time for you to make that commitment. Those that have been giving, and I'm telling you, we've got partners, they've been giving all throughout this pandemic, many that haven't even been on this campus because of health-related issues, and they're still giving. It's because of that kind of generosity and giving that we're able to start the renovation next door, which has been exciting. Demo is almost done. Um, they're putting up steel this week, maybe some walls in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, I wanted to do a survey I did in the first. How many of you real quick would just by a show of hands say that you started attending FC in the last two, uh, one to two years? You, you, you started attending last one to two years. All these hands all over. Wow, lots of hands. So in 2018, you weren't here, but God put it on our heart that you needed to be here. And so in 2018, the partners and the people of FC decided to give so that we could build this facility. And guess what? God was faithful. You came and you've been blessed and you're here. And now we're moving into this area where we've got to create some space for young families who aren't here yet. Many of you are here and you need it as well. And that's the great thing when you serve God and give to God, you get the blessing and you get to experience it. But we also know we're motivated to bless those that aren't here yet. And so that's another reason why we give. All these young families all over this area, which this area is exploding with new families every day, neighborhoods, people moving. So we gotta get ready and that's why, that's why we give. And so today as we close, I think it's a great opportunity for everybody, but specifically maybe for partners to say, you know what? I need to fulfill the commitments that I've made. And maybe for some others, you've not made some commitments that you need to make today. Don't be too hasty with that, Solomon would say. But when, but when you gather, we do make vows. We, we promise God every week. You know, we're, there's confession involved. There's uh, confessions of faith and repentance. And so whatever that commitment is, I wanna encourage you to make that today. And in fact, on the seat back in front of you, there's that QR code. If you put your phone over that, scan that, it's gonna take you to that, that 90 day challenge specifically and other commitments if you wanna make those, let us know if you're gonna take that step uh, financially. We wanna know who you are. We wanna pray for you and, and encourage you through that process. But whatever it is, let's take a moment and just bow before God and connect our hearts to Him. We wanna be people that are quick 
when we mess up to seek forgiveness and repent of sin and turn to Christ. And so every Sunday we have that opportunity to do that. He closes this, this whole passage with God is the one to be feared. Remember last week or a couple weeks ago, it's like when I saw that bear on the trail, when you see a bear in the Smoky Mountains, it's like this humbling moment. You're in awe of the power of this animal. And so kind of, kind of when it relates to spiritually, fear is not, oh, I'm afraid God's going to throw me in prison. No, it, it, it's, this, it's this awe and respect of the power and holiness of a God who loves you and calls you to worship him and provides life for us. Some of you need Jesus in your life. You need to go to the care and prayer room, tell somebody there you need prayer and they'll walk with you. Some of you are partners you need to make and fulfill your commitments. Let's do it together. I don't, I don't do these, I, I, I do the things that I ask you to do, right? We all need these, this reminder. So God, hear our hearts, hear our prayers today. May this be an acceptable sacrifice. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.